Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to The Paddock in the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Today's guest is a young man who dreamed of being a footballer, but who changed his life forever after watching racing on the TV in a pub to become a jockey. Thanks for joining me, Gavin Ashton. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. And you're in Florida Keys at the moment, is that right? Uh, yes, I'm in, in Miami, um, just around the corner from Palm Meadows uh, Racing Training Centre. Yeah, so that's right. And how does that all sound? Someone who was uh, uh, in a pub. You were working in the pub at the time, and, and I was. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was working. I wasn't just. Uh, I wasn't just sitting there drinking. I was. Uh, I was actually a chef, which I started doing when I was fifteen, and um, I was just pouring myself a drink on the bar. I always had. Uh, I always kept an eye on the racing um, ever since my cousin got him like involved with watching it. Um, I used to just want to be involved with what he was doing and if he was watching racing then I'd want to watch racing that's very much how I picked up cricket as well to be honest he, he, he plays a lot of cricket and I wanted to play cricket um, but yeah watching it on the TV in the pub and somebody said to me Gav you're the right size to be a jockey why don't you go and do that and <laughs> five years later I find myself in having travelled a lot of the world and um, over in the USA yeah so it's um it's a big, big, big change, but a life-changing decision, and uh, probably my, the best decision I've ever made. So, so where was the pub where you were working? It was, um, it was the, it, it was the the Elephant and Castle in Bamford. I'd just moved there after working at the Puckers there, uh, the pub in Royton, just up the road from me. I got a job there when I was fifteen, uh, pot washing. Um, made my way up through the through the ranks there in the kitchen and um, the head chef moved on to the Elephant and Castle in Bamford which is 20 minutes from my home and um, he, he, he was that impressed with me he wanted to take me with him and um, I'm best mates with him now still and um, and I was working there for a, a long time and and since then it's um, just escalated really yeah So you really were a Gordon Ramsay <laughs> I wouldn't say I was that good uh, at all. Um, I, I'd say I probably had his passion in the kitchen. Um, I certainly like to get things right, and uh, I loved the intensity of it in the on a Saturday night service. And you've got a number of checks up there, and you've got to get the food out. Oh, it, the adrenaline was uh, something I'll not forget when it when it gets busy. I, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I love being hands on and practical. And I really, really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. But I, I think I enjoyed it knowing that I was not going to do that forever. I was always more focused on my football. I, I could never, I'd never be able to do chef as a full-time job for a career. It's very demanding hours, very unsociable hours. Uh, the work's great. I enjoyed the work. It's just very 
very demanding hours and uh, yeah that's why I knew because I weren't doing it forever I could enjoy it while I was doing it um, which was good and how good were you at football I mean Gordon Ramsay was supposed to be a good footballer when he was younger as well you see there's a connection yeah um, no, um, if I was good enough I'd still be doing it now let's put it that way so I clearly was never good enough to make it um, to the top level to where I wanted to be I've always wanted to be a professional athlete in whatever it was that I was doing I've tried numerous sports that I've, my mum and dad were great, but when I was growing up, they wanted me to experience every sport as a kid. And I had, and I tried to turn my hand to every single sport. And um, no matter what I wanted to do, I wanted to be a professional athlete. And um, football was obviously my main, main one, but sadly, I just simply was not up to that level. That level is just when I've, I've played with lads at that level and they're just a class apart. They're just, worlds apart from the rest of us and um, I think if you accept that then you, you, you've got a good understanding of where you are you know but you were at an academy weren't you or you're on an academy that's course, right I was right? a yeah. yeah I was on an academy course with Manchester City which I spent two years there in um, at the Etihad training facilities um, oh that was that was unbelievable absolutely unbelievable experience spending two years there in, in them facilities was amazing um, really really enjoyed my time there even though I'm a massive I am a Manchester United fan my dad's worked there for 40 years almost and um, I was always born and bred a United fan so it sort of killed my dad when I come home in one of them kits but I couldn't turn down an opportunity like that you know it was uh, absolutely fantastic and from there yeah I, it, it was it, it it was coming towards the end of that academy where you were trying to break through to the EDS, uh, their elite development squad. I just weren't good enough. There was no chance of getting picked up there. So uh, they wanted to, um, I wanted to go to a scholarship to America, actually, uh, to a college course out here. But it was at that time someone mentioned about horse racing and uh, I ended up going down that path instead um, and then found myself in Newmarket. Yeah, because you went to the, the British racing school... What was it like when you first went there? Oh, <laughs> it, it, it was crazy. I remember applying and um, I, I remember going home at the time I went down, I'm going to be a jockey. And it was like, oh, here we go. Here's another thing. They sort of laughed it off, but I actually went through, followed through with it and uh, I did all the paperwork myself and they were actually on holiday. Uh, I, was, I was just turning 20 and they were on holiday when I drove down uh, to the racing school and I remember FaceTiming them straight after I'd been and um, well they were on holiday and telling them how excited I was to go and everything and um, I had to gain one week's work experience because the, the, the racing school was so shocked they said well where's this come from that you want to ride horses and all this and, and you know it's it, it can't be easy for them having seen someone that's not they've got to trust that they're going to follow this 14 weeks through if they're going to put you on a 14 week course you can't just have everybody in the country just turning up to do 14 weeks training and and you know a lot of people don't finish the course as it is that are involved with horses let alone people that are just coming out of the blue from nowhere but I really feel as though I got across my passion for it and why I wanted to do it and what I wanted to achieve and obviously they saw that in me and give me the chance to come on the course and um I spent 14 weeks there and oh, how the teachers put up with me in the first couple of weeks purely because I just could not ride one bit. I was 
I couldn't trot, I couldn't do anything. But they always said that I was so easy to teach because I had absolutely no bad habits. You'd no never ridden before, had you? You'd, you'd oh, never no, I never touched a horse. I'd never touched one. No, no, I'd never, never touched a horse. Um, and all I'd done is I'd sat on um, a, a lady called Emma. Um, I sat on her horse from the pub because when I was going to the racing school, they said, oh, Gavin's going to the racing school. And he said, oh, well, Emma's got an ex-racer. Why don't you just go and sit on it just to see if you... And anyway, she had me sitting on it and walking around the uh, the pen. And um, apart from that, no, I'd, I'd not done absolutely anything. And um, that that horse actually was called uh, Gandhi. And he, um, yeah, it, it was great to sit on him before I went. But then when he asked me to start trotting and I just couldn't do it, but uh ad marshall who who now works at uh for james ferguson in newmarket she she was actually my racing school instructor uh, along with ian howell they did the run it together and um they were they were brilliant with me they're absolutely brilliant because they did they were patient and they knew that i wanted to learn i was trying everything i could to learn and i would always listen to them so if they said more weight in your heels or anything like that i'd always i'd take what they say to gospel and i and obviously having come from football my fitness was right up there so the fitness side of things just fell into place perfectly uh, the nutritional side of things had been in the kitchen just fell into place perfect all it actually was was then actually learning to so ride right. the horse and yeah, yeah and, and improve and like I say because I was so willing to and I think it helped that I went there when I was 20 uh, because I was a lot more older and wiser and I had a few life experiences and knew how to communicate with people from working in the kitchen and and things like that. I feel as though it was the perfect time for me to go. Uh, I'm a big believer that everything happens in life for a reason. I feel as though that's why I went at that age and that's why I've been able to um, progress, I'd say, um, definitely. And had you lived away from home before then? Because Newmarket must have been a lot different to the northwest, you know, older yeah. Manchester way. Yeah, that's right. I'd, I'd not lived away from home before. No, I'd, I'd always been away with, I don't know, school trips, scouting trips as a young lad. And I was never afraid to go away from home. Um, I'll never forget that first morning of going down to Newmarket. Um, for me, it still feels as I've never left home. I've still got my room there at home. Uh, whenever I go, that, that's my room. Um, so it doesn't actually, even though I have, I've not, I've not lived at home for more than a week in the last five years. Um but it still feels as though I've not really left home. Um, that was an emotional morning when I had the long drive down to Newmarket. But I knew it was what I wanted to do. You know, it wasn't. It was never really something that was too too daunting for me. It was just I had to do it, and that was that. Um, and it, it, Newmarket was very different, but um, I, I I adapted quite well. I fit in quite well. To be honest, it was. Um, the people are very different, southern to northern people. I won't say too much. So I'll get <laughs> be careful but, what we say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotta be careful. But they're very different. That's one thing that I did 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 notice that, that the northern and southern people were very different. And apart from that, no, it was it, it never really affected me because I think the horse racing community is just so friendly. You know, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from. You know in racing you get on with a lot of people you know and you've got a lot of people supporting you so it never really affected me too much moving away from home 
So when did you graduate from the British Racing School? Because then you moved to Sir Mark Prescott's at Heath House. And, and did mm. you get the choice of going there? Um, so it was, at, it was coming towards the end of the course. And it was when everyone starts discussing where they're going to go after this. I remember there was a girl uh, on my course who was from Epsom. Uh, so she knew her home was down in Epsom. So she knew a trainer that she'd already been in touch with, that she'd got a job with before she went. So she'd be going there. And people were discussing whereabouts they were going. And it was actually Ian Howell. That, because I knew at the end of my 14 weeks, I still had a long lot to learn about riding. I was I was nowhere near a finished article or anything like that. I, I still... I'm, I'd still know in there, but <laughs> I was I still had a long way to go with riding. Um and it was Ian Howell that suggested that the perfect person to go to would be Samart. So and anyway, the racing school got in touch with him and set up a meeting. And um I remember I had to go to Samart's office, uh, I think it was a Tuesday afternoon or something, and the, the, the racing school had set up the time place and so I went I went to his office uh, at the time I made sure I was early because uh, Ian Howell had told me what he was like and how strict and everything he was and punctuality and everything and oh that was so scary going to his office for the first time oh didn't know where to look or anything um, but he was brilliant the first time I met him very very stern uh, I remember he was very stern the first time I met him and um, and then he said yeah we'd love to have you start on this date uh, and I'd like you to bring mum and dad down on this date and he was very keen to meet them and after the racing school I think I had one week at home and then I turned up on the Sunday and had a meeting with Sir Mark and my mum and dad and <laughs> to begin with he said no nah, you'll never make it as a jockey you'll get too old too fat and my dad always said that that was just character building um, right from the beginning. You know, you were just seeing what, because I, I went in there with the, saying that, that my one goal is to be a jockey and that's it. Um, and straight away he said, no, never do that. And um, he, he, some art was absolutely brilliant with me. He, absolutely brilliant. He, he he understood my riding abilities when I first went. He, he helped me. And, and, and in the yard at the time, I had a lot of good people to, to help learn off. So, for example, uh, Manuel Fernandez and um, Rosie Jessup at the time, they they helped me a lot with riding. And also uh, Colin Nutter, who's still there, and um, and Alison, they, they, they all helped me so much with my riding and also just learning the game, learning horse racing, you know, learning about the industry and racing itself um so I, it, it was just perfect for me to go to some arts to be honest and i'm very lucky that that opportunity came up um, and how long yeah. before when you started there did he put you forward as uh for your apprenticeship so it was actually on my 21st birthday so i, I went to some arts uh just after i was 20 um and it was on my 21st birthday william butler said to me uh, Gavin the boss would like to put you in for your license so that was a fantastic 21st birthday present for me and it was on it, I went on the course so I went for my pre-license course around September time and then it was around I think December yeah it was December I went uh, late late November early December that I went on the license course um, of which was probably about just over a year and a half after uh 
after actually first sitting on a horse to go for my license. And um, yeah, it, 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 probably about just over a year from working to Mark uh, for some art that he put me forward to it. And your um, first ride which was came a big shot. And your first ride yeah. came soon after your license, wasn't it? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it came two weeks after, which was um, a big, big shock. Um, it was on a horse called Alternate Route at Lingfield, and obviously, you know what Samart's like. He's very good at getting horses ready for them types of races, and it was an apprentice race uh, over a mile four, and he, oh, I never forget my first the first ride. He had me in the office. Well, he does with every ride, to be fair, but my first ride, he, he had me in the office. He had the racing pole spread out on his desk and he, he told me exactly um, what I was to do. And um, I, I couldn't believe it that I was getting a ride that soon, to be honest. And uh, the horse ran really well, finished second, um, beat by an Ian Williams hold horse. Um, and um, yeah, I was, but I was very lucky to get the opportunity that early, you know, if you watch the race back, would you say that I was ready for it? Ability-wise, probably not. But I think Samart knew that age was against me. Um, I think. Um, so, again, he knew what he was doing. And your second ride, you, you won your second race, is that right? That's right, yeah. Again, um, it was at Lingfield again, and it was on a horse called Harmonica, which... Um, statistically is the best horse I've ever sat on she's now she's now rated uh, 92 uh, she's retired to stud now but uh, she finished her career rated 92 um, and <laughs> I, again that was in an apprentice race and I won on her by five lengths crossing the line going away so uh, yeah it was uh, <laughs> I think that was a learning curve straight away not to win by that far again but um, yeah I went on then to have another three more rides in my first five rides they had three winners which I was very very lucky you know that that's all credit to the trainers it was all credit to Sir Mark you know it was nothing to do with riding ability at all um, what, what was it like I was the, very lucky what was it like the first um, first race you won and then you presumably you're interviewed on Sky Television straight away um, sadly no I wasn't interviewed ah, because they had to go straight to uh, they had to go straight to a jumps meeting so no it, it was in the last at Lingfield but I won't forget my mum my mum made it down uh, for my first win she, she made the trip down from Manchester she was there for my first ride and then she was there for my uh, winner as well and what a what what an incredible day that was it was oh, something that I'll never forget again Samar sent me down with uh, Rosie Jessup who walked the course with me beforehand told me everything and uh and like I say, I've just had that in, uh, incredible help along the way that has enabled me to to, to progress the way that I have. Um, so I've been very lucky, very lucky. And in 2019, you won this the Apprentice Hands and Heels series as well. That's right. Yeah, that's. Um, I feel as though that's a, a very good initiative, to be honest. The Hands and Heels series because I feel as though it just opens a lot of windows and opportunities for young riders like myself so for example I was I was leading the series and the, the final is always at Newbury over two miles uh, in the hands and heels race and because I was leading the series it was very easy for my agent to get me on uh, George uh, Mr Baker's horse and um, 
he, he was favourite. He really fancied it going into it. And because I was quite easy to sell, he just said, oh, well, he's leading this series. Or he's got a great chance. And, and there, from there, I built a connection um, with Mr. Baker and he used me again. I, I ended that horse ended up winning, and um, yeah, I won the series on that that day. And he, again, he, he used me in apprentice races further down the line, you know. So I think them 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 series are a great initiative to get young riders riding for different connections, you know, uh, that you wouldn't normally ride for. And it must have given you a lot of confidence winning winning that then. Oh, without a doubt, yeah, it, it it was. It was um, it was great. It was great. It's sort of like a little springboard, really. Um, you want to try and to build on that. Um, I know in next year, my goal was then to go and win. I think there's a I can't remember what they call. I think it's the training series that, that where you can only then not hands and heels. There's just one where you can only use it in the backhand. I wanted to go and win that. Um, or then, and you know the little, the like little springboards that you can use to sort of get your name out there, and um, it, yeah, it was it was fantastic to win that. It was, um, I, I was I was very pleased. And after three years, you you moved from Sir Marks. What was your reasoning for for moving moving stables? Uh, that's right. I, um, to be honest, I was getting a lot of support off. Um, a good friend of mine, Sean, Sean Keatley, he had an owner in his yard that was giving me a lot of support and he really wanted to use me and he, he was very good to me. Um, he was, like I say, he was giving me lots of chances and I felt with some, I was, I was on, I think around 50, no, I was on around 13 winners and I knew, obviously Luke Morris is some art stable jockey and at the time, I just felt as though I just needed, I was at that time, I just needed to be getting a few more rides to get my career going. Um, I, I'd be struggling off 10 rides a year sort of thing off mark, And he, he'd give me every chance that he possibly could and put me on every horse that he could. It was just at that moment that I just felt as I needed to progress more in my career with the age that I was. And... Um, so Matt was very, very honest and uh, with me and we left on very good terms. I've been to see him numerous times after leaving his. Um, I always go for him to, to him for advice and career advice and uh, things ended very well with Samark. Um Sadly, it didn't work out when I moved to Mr. Keatley's uh, purely because the, the owner decided to, to move the horses to a different trainer, which was nobody's fault. But Sean was very good to me. He, he, he advised me the best that I, he could and um, he, he openly admitted that he couldn't support me at the time with the number of horses that he had. And we, we went our own ways on very good terms. And it was then when I found uh, Mr. Williams, uh, Ian Williams' yard. And sadly, just awful timing going to him, really, that as soon as I went there within the first two weeks, COVID hit and racing got shut down. So that was a uh, that that again nobody's fault. Um, in the first three three months there, there was no racing whatsoever. Um, as soon as racing got going again, it was so different. Obviously, jockeys just doing one meeting and 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 things like that. And 
Mr. Williams was very good to me. Very, very good to me. He gave me all the chances that he could. He gave me plenty of rides, plenty of opportunities, um, lots of help at home. I was just finding it very, very difficult to settle away from Newmarket. I love Newmarket in the, the sense of the social aspect. So, for example, my jockey coach, the gym, uh, I can go and play golf with my friends, the cooking side of things, because I, I, I still cooked at the Kentford, um, just outside of Newmarket. So I was keeping myself very busy in Newmarket, and I loved it. Um, and then as soon as I moved to Alva Church, um, to Mr. Williams, I really, really struggled uh, sort of, mentally just to keep myself busy you know I'm, I'm still away from home I didn't really have any close friends there my close friends were in Newmarket and the, and it, it was very hard I had a few a few deaths in the family that year and it, it, it was just a struggle really to be honest it was just very hard adapting away from Newmarket and I, I went into the office and told Mr Williams this and he was so understanding he was he was absolutely brilliant he said um, Gavin I completely understand and he, he he helped me the best that he could. And he said, we tried to go, I tried to go away. I tried to go to Dubai, but obviously with COVID and that, the restrictions, I couldn't get out. So we said, well, why don't we, why don't you go back to Newmarket where you're happy for a couple of months and then come back? And so I did that. I went down to Newmarket and uh, got in touch with Mr. Varian uh, just to ride out there, uh, just to, 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 to enjoy it again and, and, and be myself. And, um, Mr. Varian took me on um, and straight away I just fell fell in love with the place, uh, fell in love with Newmarket again and I was really, really, really enjoying it and uh, needless to say, Mr. Mr. Varian said, look Gavin, if, if you want to go back to, uh, if you want to go back to Mr. Williams, that's absolutely fine and I'm fully, I'm fully supportive of that. However, if you wanted to go anywhere else in Newmarket, I'd rather you stay with me. So the, his offer was there to work there full time, um, and it was at that time I made the decision that I'm happiest in Newmarket. That is where I needed to be. That is where I, I feel comfortable. I've got friends there, my second family, uh, the cooking, the gym, everything. I had everything there. So as soon as I called Mr. Williams, he was he wasn't surprised. To be honest, he he fully understood and he was so supportive. He said, "Gavin, you've got to do that." Uh, you've got to do what makes you happy in life and um, he says it's a good yard to go to so he was very very supportive and I can't thank him enough for that to be honest um, I've been very lucky that, that, that I've worked for very supportive people um, so that that was fantastic um, that's, that, that's very good to hear isn't it I mean it must have been tough for you uh, moving hmm. I mean it was tough for everyone in the sort of lockdowns yeah. but you haven't got the the access of just drive into Newmarket because everyone's supposed to stay where they are aren't they exactly yeah exactly I couldn't I couldn't make trips anywhere um I, I, it was just so difficult and it, it, it's just the fact you I'd moved over to Birmingham two weeks before so not only am I just getting used to the place but I can't do anything to sort of make it feel like home which was very very difficult and it was very understanding and I am a very active social guy. I couldn't couldn't go to the gyms because they were all locked down. Couldn't go and play golf. They're all shut. You know, I could. It, it's not like I didn't try and do these things. I simply just couldn't. Um, so yeah, it was very difficult. But well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not asking for uh, any sympathy. I know there was a, a 
a lot of people that lost their jobs and a lot worse off than I was. But simply looking at it from my from my own situation, it just it was just possibly the right move at the wrong time. Um, but like I say, everything happens for a reason in life, and um, I was uh, I, I tried the, to make the best out of a bad a bad situation. But I ended up being somewhere where I was very happy. Um, and this last year. Being with Mr. Varian was absolutely fantastic. Um, well, you've, had really fantastic you've had a fantastic 2021, haven't you? Well, I think your mm. first yeah. winner for Roger Varian was in December 2020. And in yeah. 2021, you've had 15 winners, 11 of them, yeah. 11 of them in Germany. And yes, that's second, right. Second in a listed race. How did you come about riding so much in Germany? So... That that was again fantastic. The fact that I had such a supportive boss in Mr. Varian that he didn't mind me going over to Germany. You know, he he simply wanted what was best for my career. But I had a friend, um, Sarah, who I met at my time at Samarks, and she she's she's German uh, from Germany and lives over there now. And she did about six months at Samarks, and we always stayed in touch. We stayed in contact and. She said she owns a horse over in Germany. She says, Gavin, I'd love for you to come over and ride it. And I said, well, I can't go knocking on Mr. Varian's door saying, oh, can I just go to Germany to ride one horse? It, was like, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but she says, no, no, I'll get you a few rides over here. So I thought, well, if I'm going over for a few rides, it makes sense. And my jockey coach, John Bramall, said, Gavin, go and do it because you never know where it could lead to. You never know. He said, just go and do it. So I, I said to Mr. Varian, can I go ride? He said, of course you can, as long as you're riding, go and, go and try and get some winners. Anyway, I went over there on a Sunday to Hoppergarten and I rode three, I had three rides. Just walked around, I chatted with a few people and, and the horses on the day didn't run too well, but a lot of people noticed me and next weekend two weeks later I was invited back they said and, and Sarah said Kevin I've had a lot of people in touch with me trying to take and you ride their horse and the next weekend they ended up going having five rides there and on the last ride it was a winner uh, for Eva Fabanova and um, that's really then when it all started and practically every single weekend after that they just I, I was just getting invited back um, more people just wanted to use me. I've ended up having 10 rides one day in Hanover on a Sunday. Um, I rode at the big Baden-Baden meeting in, uh, I think, August it was, uh, for three days. And it was just absolutely fantastic. And every weekend I was going, I was just picking up a, a, a winner each time, a couple of winners. And, and like you say, second in a listed race. I've, I, I think I had three rides in listed races over there, which uh, was just incredible, you know, because I'm never... I, I'm not going to get that in England. I'm not going to get them opportunities at the moment. I'm not. I'm not good enough. Um, but going over there and having ten rides a day, I was improving so much on the track, and it was. It, it really was fantastic and such a good opportunity for me. And like you say, I doubled my career winners. I started the year with fifteen, and I've ended up with thirty, which was which was fantastic. Um, and it. it and then that obviously now that's that is what I'm pursuing over in Germany uh, next season. I will be I'll be based over there next year. Oh, so you're going to be based over there next year full time? 
Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I am. Um, I've decided. I got given a very, very good. I, I was put in a very hard situation, to be honest, because there was a lot of good trainers out there that would like wanted me and give me some very good job offers. But obviously, I do enjoy it over in England. But when I'm getting them number of rides in Germany, I feel as though you've got to, you've got to go where they are and. Um, like I say, my first winner was for Eva Fabanova and last year they stayed very, very loyal to me. Uh, even when I gave some bad, I, I practically rode every single horse that they had um, going out. I think they've got about 40 in the yard at the moment. I was riding all of their horses. And even when I probably should have won on a couple of them, next time they still used me and they were very, very loyal to me. And I would like to repay that next year by staying loyal to them. And be stable jockey to them next year so it's uh it's fantastic really it is and i'm i'm really excited for what next year is going to bring uh, how, how different is it riding in germany to the uk with the different styles and pace and things like that pace is definitely different i'd say it's the tracks the tracks obviously the the aren't as good it's 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 the, the quite common that you get heavy ground over in germany um I'd always say it's like one one less. So heavy ground in England would be soft in Germany and soft in England would be good in Germany. Um, it, it sort of seems that way. Um, a lot of the tracks are very, very nice, to be honest. Uh, Hoppergaard and Hanover, Baden-Baden, uh, Munich. These are all actually very, very nice tracks. The, 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 and the, I feel as though the standard in racing in Germany is just getting better and better. You know, Going from strength to strength, they've got very well-bred horses out there. And and obviously everyone saw what they did in the arc uh, by Takato Tasso winning winning the arc. Um, and I feel as though you've got to take German form seriously, especially when the grounds the way that it is on the, the when it was on the arc day. And I mean, in Germany, the the people have been absolutely fantastic to me. They they're so supportive. The the, the jockeys over there, they're they're incredible. They give you some great advice. They it was fantastic going over there. It really was. And in the listed race, you were in the Torcato Tasso colours. Is that right? That that's right. Yes, I was very lucky to pick that ride up, and it was it was for Mister Zubach, and he, he. I was in the parade ring. Obviously, Rennie Pishilek was actually obviously the art winning jockey. He, um, he he's a good friend. He, he he's looked after me very well since I went over to Germany. Um, and he was actually in the second colours at the time and we, we were in the prayer room together and I was very, very lucky to pick up that ride and sadly I'd just finished second um, to a Godolphin horse. Um, we, we'd pulled six lengths clear of third and the Godolphin horse was actually bought by Mr Appleby as a, uh, as a yearling, I think, for one million. I, I think if I... If, if I was told correctly, um, and then it got sent over to France, and it was trained in France, and they brought it over for this listed race in Hanover. And sadly, yeah, I just finished second to it by half a length. Um, but it, it was a great honour to ride in them colours, you know, uh, just after that success that they'd had. And yeah, I was gutted to be honest not to get my first listed winner on the board. But that's obviously a goal for next season that I'll, I'll do that. So uh, fingers crossed. Yeah. So the arc winning jockey was in the second colours that day. He, he he was. Um, I can't remember who he was actually riding for in that race. I 
don't think it, but I know mine was more, I think mine was more fancied on the day. I, I, I might have been six to one or something. I think I'm, I, I, I'm not sure exactly, but I just remember I had, because I remember talking to him before because he said, oh God, there's your colours. And then we had to see about the hat because I wore the black hat silk, which is the main colour, the first colour, and then he wore the yellow hat silk. And I remember we were discussing, he said, oh, what, what hat silk have you got? I said, I don't know. And I looked in the programme, I knew it was, I knew I was in the first colour. I was like, oh, this is strange. And then he said, oh, so what? And I said, oh, yeah, it says I'm white. And he said, oh, really? And he was like, yeah. I sort of felt bad handing in the second uh, hat silk colours, but um, <laughs> I don't know how much he read into it but uh yeah i ended up finished second i think he's he's ended up finished beating a couple um a couple home um but yeah it was called daring light the horse yeah you're on the first colors you want to make sure you get the right hat don't you well exactly exactly yeah i needed to um and yeah i was i, I was very lucky that obviously it was um I ended up doing the best out of the two of us, uh, but all that really matters is winning, and sadly, couldn't do that. But it was a great day, great experience, fantastic. Um, and like I say, hopefully more to come next year. How's your German? Um, I've actually got a book that I am. Yeah, I've seen you I'm on. I've seen you on Instagram with the with the book. Yeah, yeah. I am. I am trying my best to study it. Could be a bit better. Um, I, I can't lie. I'm not it's hard I need to be speaking it every day to be honest but it's getting there it's slowly getting there I think I'll I'll, I'll pick it up eventually <laughs> it's a long way from this um elephant and castle uh in 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 Oldham isn't it yeah it is indeed uh like I say the journey that I've been on and where I've come and obviously out here now and the things I've experienced I never well six years ago I never thought I'd experience ever and um no, it's fantastic it is the journey i'm on um, and exciting times ahead hopefully and now you're out in the states and you said you're off air you're riding out but hoping might get the odd ride i'm certainly trying to um the the, the problem is i'm i'm sort of in a very difficult uh area um i'm at palm meadows and obviously the the, the closest track is Gulfstream, which is 50 minutes away which is where the, the all the racing is um for miami and it's it's a championship meet so you've got the best you've got the best jockeys here like i read i read rts it's very very hard to try and pick up rides uh but i am certainly doing my best i'm putting myself about there at uh different different bands but it was never my intention to come over here and race ride i was just coming over here to it for experience to try and learn learn the clock and tighten up really tighten up my riding and strengthen up as well riding these big american horses and um, i feel as i've really got the most out of what i came over here for uh also enjoy the weather a little bit as well um that was definitely a big thing. Um, but if I, if I can pick up a ride, I'd certainly like to. But if not, then it's it's not the end of the world. Yeah, the weather certainly beats East Anglia at the moment. And how long yeah. are you going to be out there for? Uh, so I'm currently out here for one more month. I've got one more month left. Um, I'll come back to Newmarket uh, to Mr. Varian's for um, a few weeks while I get things sorted to go to Germany and... Um, 
and then fly out to Germany probably mid March for the season to start in April. Uh, so get 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 ready and get set, get a few rides in, and hopefully hit the ground running when I go over there. And how does that affect your life as a chef as well? You you were working at the the Kentford. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, obviously they they're like my second family. They um, they look after me very well. They they're just supportive. They're so supportive. They got it to be losing me. Um, it, they, they they really are gutted, but they, uh, they they're very very supportive, and they know it's what I want to do. Um, I might have time to pick up a little job in Germany. I don't know. Teach them some English styles. I don't know, but. <laughs> At the moment, just go over there, focus on the riding, and, uh, and what will be will be. Well, you might pick up some German recipes next season. Well, exactly, exactly. Maybe I'll be bringing them home. Um, but yeah, I think main focus will be the riding, and then let's uh, see, but see how we go from there. If I can pick something up for a few nights a week, then definitely I'd do that. Well, Gavin, thank you very much for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion. You certainly lived a, a, a very varied life over the last six years <laughs> all the different places you've been and the very best of luck to you in germany and hopefully one thank day you'll be back again in newmarket no thank you very much i really appreciate you having me on and um i, I really appreciate it thank you very much thank you thank you for listening to the paddock and the pavilion you can download the show on apple Podcasts, amazon music soundcloud stitcher and spotify follow us on twitter facebook and Instagram at the pad and pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network.